Thank you, sir. When I lived in Orange County, what intrigued me is the best karate exponents in the, in the world were pastors, the top three at one stage when I was there. And they all trained at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. That's where we used to go. My sons and I went to karate for a long time. For no other reason but to be able to defend themselves. I have no time for people with big egos because God doesn't have any time for big people with big egos. But he does expect you to be able to take care of yourself. I want to pick up from that verse that Grant led off with today, a very manly verse. Look at it on the screen. Be watchful. Let me tell you, when you're ready to start a fight, you are extremely watchful. In fact, I'm more watchful at the side of my eye. I'll often not look at a person straight in the eye. I'll use my peripheral vision. Be watchful. On alert. Be aware of this. Stand firm. Don't give ground. That verse is, do not give ground. On some of those issues with your kids, and they will come to you, and with my boys. My boys, you're not going to believe it. They get this from their mother. They've got very strong opinions. (laughs) (laughs) So I've had to be nose to nose with two of my boys. Never ever, but intellectually, nose to nose, opinion-wise, nose to nose, and no further. The times. Stand your ground on some things there. Act like men. Not acquiescing and being... My boys said I shouldn't use that word, so I'll change it. Being wusses. Be strong. Not weak. That is God's will for your life, men. And Paul here is exhorting strongly the Corinthians, to be constantly watchful. It's no good, oh yeah, have a look, nah, nothing going on. Next week, whang, you're on the deck. Be alert, be on guard. Like when you take one of these, and this is, you, some of you should grab what that, which is one of my sons, fairly heavy. On guard, not down, off guard. On guard, be on guard, it says here. For traps that may trip you up, basically, and slip, cause you to slip, threaten to destroy you. That's the whole essence of this verse. He told them to stand firm in what they believed and had committed to. Don't flake out. Be men of courage, he says there. Be strong. That's a mark of maturity. You're not easily overcome. You stand your ground. And be strong in the strength given you by the Holy Spirit to overcome the problems that will come your way. They will come. Today I want to briefly challenge us on Father's Day to be strong and fight against. Many of you do this well. But it's very easy to be still tripped up, even if you've done well so far. Be strong in six areas of obvious temptation that if left unchecked any single person in this room be it man or woman can fall for six areas very quickly the first one is the temptation to give things rather than give ourselves you may want to write that down in your outline because we're so busy we tend to overcompensate and give things rather than themselves rather than time Easy to do that with our wives. Here's a lovely bunch of flowers, honey. And she says, that's great, darling, thank you. But I'd rather see you and have a meaningful conversation. 
Now, don't misunderstand me. The Bible says providing for one family is biblical. In fact, the Bible says here, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for members of his own household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I find that pretty hard to find anything worse, but this is not good. So Paul calls a man who fails to provide, in other words, get off his chuff and work, is worse than an unbeliever. The Bible has no place for laziness. But the temptation I'm referring to here is goes far beyond the basic level of need. And by the way, there's a level of need and there's a level of greed. Be careful. How much is enough? This is the toys versus time battle. I know lots of people who have got lots of toys but don't spend the time with their children. One of the things that really disturbed me on holiday, when this idyllic place, my wife and I took nine days off to have a vacation after we'd done some missions work, and we're in this most unbelievable place you could think of, although you wouldn't think so getting there, but we're there, and I looked down one day and I saw a family of four from our balcony, and mum and dad and the two kids with the most gorgeous view sitting out there, every single one of them were on their devices. I thought, what is wrong with you? Are you crazy? And then the other day I got up and I saw another family over there, family of six. I heard this hullabaloo and halfing and lots of stuff and I looked down and they were all sitting around, not one device in sight, they were playing cards and having the whale of a time. This is about a dad's desire to make up for long hours and absence by unloading material goods on his family rather than being there when he is needed. You cannot ever swap proximity for possessions. It's like when he needs to be at the ble- on the bleachers watching his kid over here at a basketball game or whatever it may be and he's not there. Or he's there and he's on his computer, catching up with work. Or it's being there in the audience when the kids have got a performance. Oh no, I've got a more important meeting at work. Friends, work's good, but make sure it's bounded. Ambition's good, but unbridled ambition will destroy your family. It's like being by your child's side when they're walking through some, maybe it's some math homework. And it calls for the father's encouragement. I got, well, by the grace of Jesus, my daughter got through sixth form, whatever year that is now, 12, is it? Yeah, mathematics. And she hated it, but she got there. Or it's driving a boat when your child is learning to water ski. Something like that. It's proximity. Friends, nothing can take the place of a father who is involved. Involved. Nothing. Number two. The second temptation that we need to fight is to say is saving our best for the workplace. That's a temptation. Saving our best for the workplace. Now, and that's because nobody has endless and boundless energy and creativity and enthusiasm and ideas and humor and drive and zeal for life. How easy is it for us? To use up all of those things at work and leave absolutely nothing for the end of the day for A, either your wife, or B, uh, nothing left for your kids. Fathers, our families deserve better. Because otherwise, what happens is if we fail to pace ourselves, if we don't bound ourselves, 
and we don't deliberately save some of our creative energy for home, we tend to be listless and sometimes negative. We tend to be predictable and actually flat out, let me use this one word which we were never allowed to use in my house, boring. Because we're tapped out. Now the Bible has something to say about that. Look at this verse here in Ecclesiastes 10.15. It says, only someone too stupid to find his way home would wear himself out with work. Question. We all have 168 hours a week. Of that, are you reserving, ring fencing, some portion of that for your family, for your children, for your wife? How outstanding are those unselfish men who think ahead of the week and maintain the right priorities without getting blown off course and keep their families surprised by joy? The third temptation we need to fight is we need to fight against the temptation to just deliver lectures rather than earning respect and, and learning. James 1.19 says this, My dear brothers, now take note of this, everyone, that's everybody in this room, should be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. So quick, slow, slow, quick, slow, slow, quick, slow, slow. When things get out of home, hand at your home, our normal tendency is to reverse that. So what we do is, first of all, we just go straight to, we get mad. And then our, the volume goes up, and then lastly, we listen. Now, our family members, when we do that, may stop, and they may look, but they aren't listening. Friends, it is a sobering realisation, to some men especially, that our home is not an extension of our office, and our wife and children are not employees. Now, maybe we get respected at work automatically because of our title or position. But at home, we're going to learn respect the old-fashioned way. We're going to work at it. Number four, as an encouraging father, we need to fight hard, be watchful, be on guard. We need to fight the temptation to demand perfection from those under our roof. We need to fight that. Because as fathers, sometimes we can be extremely unrealistic and it's very easy to catch ourselves. The majority, if we analysed our conversation, most of it is bringing correction, like Joss said today. Oh, that, that's not quite right. Fix that, do that. Dis, you know. We're always correcting our kids. And actually, that taken to an extreme can undermine your children's sense of value. One thing that helped sober me up on this is that when I lived in the States, I realized that professional ball players who get paid 20, 30, 40 million dollars a year, professional ball players swing and miss over 50% of the time. Do you know that? Professional ball players, yet they're still considered batting champs. So what I'm saying is it's sure easy to set our expectations so high for our wife and kids it's out of reach. And we're expecting them actually to be nigh on perfect. Now the Bible sort of says this something to us, especially to dads here. In Ephesians 6, 4 it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, 
So this is a contrast. So don't do that. But on the positive side, it says this. Bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. So fathers, there are clearly commanded, do not exasperate your children, which suggests being an annoyance, an irritation, one who causes grief. So what is an exasperated kid? An exasperated kid is someone who can't jump quite high enough thanks to a demanding father who mistakenly thinks good coaching means always raising the bar. Be careful of that. That's what the scriptures say. Don't exasperate your kids. Number five, as a faithful dad, we need to also fight the temptation, big one, to find intimate fulfillment outside the bonds of monogamy. To find intimate fulfillment outside the bonds of monogamy. What I'm saying in two words is this. Faithfulness matters. It matters to God. It matters to your children. It matters to your grandchildren. It matters especially to your wife. Now, how is this such a problem in our society today? Well, men often have an ability to rationalize. Now, sometimes rationalize is a word. You can almost break it into two. Rational lies. We believe our self-talk, which is, do you know that even you think isn't true? We men can talk ourselves into the most ridiculous predicaments imaginable. And I've heard a few of them. I've also listened, on the other hand, to children of adulterers after the fact who never understand, who hurt beyond description, and who carries scars indefinitely. Now the Bible is really clear about this. Hebrews 13, 4 says this. Let marriage be held in honor among all. All. Let the marriage bed be undefiled, unpolluted, some versions say. For, why? For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. That's what it says. Now, the charm of a seductive passion is incredibly strong. It's intoxicating. It's even able to blind the godly. Do you know that? There's nobody in this room that is immune to that. Even David, who was a man after God's heart, fell for the intoxication. So be careful. The enticement can be powerful enough to make a man momentarily forget his family as well as ignoring the crippling consequences of sin. That's why when I used to travel a lot as an executive, I used to take with me, you can tell how long ago this was, I used to take a picture, a picture of my family with me, a real physical hard copy picture in a little frame and I would go into my hotel room and I'll put it straight there. And I'd look at it and I'd see my kids smiling back at me there. And that would, well, first of all, it would really encourage me. But let me tell you this. It is impossible to fantasize sensual lust when you're looking at their smiling, trusting faces of your family. If you travel on business, I 
highly recommend still doing it. Forget the iPhone. You can't see it all the time. It keeps switching off or your Samsung. Get a picture. Stick it right in front of them. It's a powerful reminding effect. It reminds me. Then lastly, we need to fight the temptation to underestimate the importance of cultivating your family's spiritual appetite. There's always something more important. Yes, the Bible says cultivate it. Fathers, your wife and kids long for you to be their spiritual pace setter. Now, children love knowing that their dads love God and love their mother. Somebody once said, what's the best thing a husband can do for their children? It's simply this, love their mother and love God. It gives them great security, tremendous security. Never underestimate your role as a spiritual head. Now, ready for a challenge? You want to have a challenge? Firstly, begin to spend time with God. That's the first thing you should do. The Bible says here, look at this, John 17, 19. For their sake, for their sake, I dedicate myself completely to you in order that they too may be truly dedicated to you. So there's an example sitting here. Question, do your children, if your children came up to you straight after, no, tomorrow morning, and said, Dad, Mum, what are you learning about God? Can I see your journal? What are you reading in the Bible? Which, which book are you reading at the moment? Which chapter? Can I see what you're writing down, your little journal? Would you be able to lead them? Or was there nothing? What would you do? Are you prepared to lead by example? Like this, son. And show them. And just... Just choose one of the principles that God has spoken to you about. Say, this is what I read in the Word. This is what it means to me. And this is how I'm trying to do that. It's a great way because unless you show your children how to do these things, they will never learn themselves just on the fly. Secondly, become a man of prayer. Number one, spend time with God. This is how you do, apply this point. To become a man of prayer. One of my favorite verses is Romans 12, 12. And that says, be joyful in hope. So are you walking around at home with a gloomy face? Or does Jesus lift your outlook? Be joyful in hope. Secondly, be patient in affliction. So when things are going wrong at work, are you patient in affliction? Are you showing your children how to be patient? Not flying off the handle, shooting from the lip. And then thirdly, be faithful in prayer, that verse says. That's a great verse to remember as a family together. That's another thing you can do as a spiritual leader. Encourage and lead your family devotions. Lead the memorization and let them test you. They love to test you. And I'll tell you what I found that real quick. My kids have better memories than me. And they love to show how they can do it. <laughs> they can remember longer and they can remember faster. But as a dad, that doesn't mean to say that you shouldn't start. You should initiate and then thirdly, help your family know how deeply you love Jesus Christ and you desire to honor him. The Bible says this in John 3, uh, 1 and verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. But no, it will not matter how many companies you've built, how many IPOs you've launched, 
how many programs you've written if your children have total disregard for the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So why not start today? It's one of the greatest gifts a father or a grandfather can give any family. And with this, I want to finish with the last verse. You know what? Sometimes it concerns me today as I look at the plethora, the smorgasbord of activities that children can be involved in today. Everything from music lessons to sports galore. Nothing wrong with any of that. I love sport. I play three musical instruments myself. But when you look at the balance of time, money and effort spent on soccer or rugby or netball or whatever it may be, baseball and, boy, those are expensive. Cheerleading, oh, that's expensive. If you look at the balance of money, time and effort spent on those compared to the time showing and demonstrating and encouraging spiritual growth in your family, it's minimal. You have to buy some verses, you have to buy some resources or whatever. It's all that's expensive, but we don't think twice about buying rugby shoes or whatever it else may be. Look at this last verse. Some people have missed the most important thing. They don't know God. Friends, I want to finish with this. You only have your children for a little while. And one day they will fly the coop. They will fly the coop. And it's only then, and only a few years after, maybe five, six, seven years later on, that you'll really know what has taken root. You only have this time once. Use it for God's glory. Father, I thank you for fathers and grandfathers, for mothers and grandmothers that are here today. And I pray that, Lord, all of us would work towards encouraging our children and grandchildren in you. We thank you that you came and that you came into our hearts and you changed and followed good. May we pass it on for the glory of your name, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.